0: Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody. and Welcome to this week's interview with High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from Room.com. This week, we speak to Dr. Elaine Ingham, who joined us again on the show to talk about soil health, uh, composting, microbes, all sorts of things like that. Now, if you if you didn't listen to the previous interview, that Dr. Elaine Ingham is an American microbiologist and soil biology researcher and founder of Soil Food Web Inc. And she knows shitloads about soil, loads about composting. And she comes here for a couple of hours to just share her knowledge with us. So we massively appreciate her coming onto the show again to come and talk about this awesome stuff with us. Also on the panel for this interview, we have our good friend, Chad Westport, who has been on the show a couple of times before as well. So thanks to Chad for coming to join us. I hope he enjoyed being part of this interview as well. We discuss a lot in this episode about uh, the degradation of the top, the, the layers of topsoil Around the world, and some potential problems that we could be heading into in the future, ways we can prevent these problems coming up in the future as well. So much that there's loads of good information. It's a great conversation here that we had with Dr. Elaine Ingham. So, if you want to know more about Dr. Elaine Ingham, then head over to soilfoodweb.com and you'll be able to find everything about her books, uh, the courses that she runs on her website. You'll be able to find out all the information you need about Dr. Ingham over there on her website. But anyway, enjoy the interview i'll speak to you at the end of this see you in a bit
1: Hi. sorry I'm a few minutes late. Oh, that was no
0: problem, no problem. You know, the anxiety gets a little higher and after ten minutes. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> the forgotten. <laughs> but it, it's all good. It's all good. We know you're very busy. Yeah, I'm sure you were doing something important before you were coming to speak to us about nothing really. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's um, yeah from the Save Soil um, Foundation, and um, they had sent me their current. Um, video on what they're going to be presenting at a upcoming meeting and it's kind of what
0: was it like is it good interesting
1: uh very interesting very well done it's just really depressing
0: oh no are we talking about like the the eradication of topsoil around the world
1: yep absolutely and you know the fact that You know, the United Nations said that, you know, we've got 60 more years ago, years to go before, you know, we reach the brink where there is no coming back at all. And that was first that that information is 10 years old. Mm. So we actually only have 50 years. So off
0: to a great start then, Elaine. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back you know yeah
1: <laughs> was, how do we fix we, uh, this
0: one is it fixable
1: can it still is it? yeah we right. have we have the time we can do it but if we mess around you know it, we it was a 60 years limit 10 years ago and what have mm-hmm. we done in the last 10 years to do anything about the crisis except make it worse
2: nothing mm-hmm. at all
0: it's the same with everything right. as well with the whole climate change, global warming, that was it like seven years ago. They said you've got 12 years until we're at a, the you know the point of no return. So We're just a few years away from there now, and um, we're still not really doing enough.
1: Yeah,
0: The
3: I I have a question, and I was driving along and I heard something today on the radio, and I went, oh, "The perfect person will be to ask <laughs> Doctor Ingram." <laughs> now you know the way we 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 all know that there's very limited um, harvests. As such we have a finite amount left why are they trying to push us all to plant-based diets um if it's going to if it because to me if everybody starts eating all plant-based well it'll just go through the nutrients quicker would it not
1: it, you have there's so much less energetic cost in growing plants than mm-hmm. in growing animals Um, you know, because it, there's a percentage of the energy that is consumed by any animal that is going to be lost as CO2. It's going to, um, be hard, harder to transfer the energy to that next step in Mm -hmm. the, so it's, it's a little bit, what's, what's the energy going on there?
0: And you have Um, to feed the animals, plants when you could just feed the humans plants in the first place and take that middle section out.
1: That's right. And, and so you can accept that, you know, in, in a lot of places we, we need to have that level of nutrient cycling going on that the animals produce. Uh, So that's, it's not like an animal's only reason for existing is to feed human beings. There are other very important things that they do on an ecosystem level.
3: Not things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Ultimately, could we survive a world that has no other animal in it than humans? No, we couldn't.
4: You're right.
1: The the nutrient cycling process is not going to be complete if we don't have those organisms in the system. So this is a big
0: problem, huh?
1: Yep. So we've got to have the bacteria and the fungi and the protozoa and the nematodes and the microarthropods and the earthworms and the incotreids and the um, spiders and voles and shrews and all of the animals all the way up to human beings.
4: Mm.
1: We've, we have to maintain it all if we want any semblance of life to still exist mm-hmm. in another 50 years.
2: Wow. This is like a really somber start to an interview right here. It really is like uh, so. It's real talk,
0: though, isn't it? It is concerning, but it needs to be discussed and it needs to be spoken about. People need to be made aware of how things are changing.
1: And the biggest thing we've got to do is stop people from listening to the lies that are being told us by the chemical companies. Right. Mm -hmm. They don't care, apparently, what happens to their children or their grandchildren. They just want to be accumulating money so they can zip around the globe and go to all the the fancy schmancy parties, right?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. it's not just the chemical companies doctoring them. It's also the mower companies and all the other people like that. I am a slob in the spring because I don't mow my yard for the first month and a half. (laughs) And you know exactly why I don't, don't you?
1: Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, let's keep the nutrients in the soil. Let's give the organisms in the soil all of the food that they need to improve the soil in your yard and why do we have to cut
2: (laughs) and butterflies have the bounty of the earth yeah it's crazy stuff but yeah i mean everybody (laughs) you hit you hit a sensitive spot for me right there because i mean i watch my neighbors pour the poison on and pour everything else into into soil and i'll watch all the wonderful beautiful creatures in my yard Hmm. and i just i wish i could let everybody see them i have no idea how to do that but
1: and and it's how do we get that information out on your front lawn you know signs that say (laughs) don't look in the scans this i'm i'm doing much better than you guys are
2: right i'm here for the earth
1: Mm -hmm. yep because without maintaining all of that life in the soil we can't maintain life above the soil
5: Mm mm-hmm I'll, um, be really, I'll be really curious to see too, if there's something that we find uh, in the soil biology that may help us eliminate this problems. You know, a lot of people talk about like the Amazon rainforest and there's a lot of, you know, potential medicines that we haven't discovered there. And we all know that, you know, underneath the soil, there's a lot that we don't understand. We already found something that can now kind of, eat plastic, which is a big plus for us, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Do you you think we'll find anything under the soil that may help address some of the issues we're having?
1: I'm sure. Absolutely. We know so little about what goes on in soil. Um, And the fact that soil doesn't end at two or three inches. Um, Soil goes all the way down as long as you have food to feed those organisms, as long as there's water infiltrating deep down. And so when you start looking at do we have active, living, growing microorganisms that we usually find up on the surface of the soil? Are they also down deeper within the soil? And the answer is a resounding yes. 12 miles down into the soil.
0: Wow, and that's thicker than the crust. is like five
1: miles,
2: right? Miles? Wow. 12 miles? 12 miles.
1: You, you find all of the same processes going on that deep down into the soil cool so So at least there's a
0: chance (laughs) we can't get down there and fuck that shit up so (laughs) that's that's safe Mm. uh, no uh,
1: the chemical companies are working on it that's that's the sad part though all those oil wells where because you know huge tsunamis and you know put took all of the plant material and piled it up on the coastlines and over the millennia that has all been buried so here are the, all of the chemical companies, all the petrochemical companies, going down there, sucking up the nutrients. Uh, you know, the gasoline, the petroleum, and they're destroying things deep into the crust of this planet. So we, you know, what comes after? If you go deep enough, uh, you're going to hit the lava layer. Interestingly enough, there are active, living, growing bacteria and fungi in molten lava. Wow.
4: Wow. Damn. Yeah.
1: And see the, some of the things you start discovering if you finally go down and start taking a look.
0: Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't expect anything to be there in the molten lava.
1: Sure. It's, you know, our attitude as human beings has been, how could anything possibly grow? How could mm-hmm. these enzymes work? How could the, this be a supportive of life and yet surprise there they are. Um, there's work being done, the Macaulay Institute at the University of Aberdeen in Scotland, where they have a laboratory that they can maintain molten lava. And here are all of these organisms growing in it.
0: Wow.
1: So when we're trying to do work at extremely high temperatures, couldn't we learn from those microorganisms? What are the structures of their enzymes that they resist? Mm. that really high temperature. So that's we've it, only begun. A,
0: because there's some in like Yellowstone and things as well, of the extremophiles, yep. some bacteria lives mm-hmm. in that hot water.
5: But yep. for yeah. lava, that's crazy. Geo, geothermal fields uh, in Ethiopia, just the acidity, like the acid pools, they found life there as well,
1: mm-hmm.
5: where there's nothing else. Well, and then you all... go to
1: extremely alkaline soils and you find life rampant there as well so right. it's not like life on this earth is going to stop it's just uh, human life on this world is going to stop mm-hmm. because we're destroying our nest and this we're- is
0: something which uh who was it i think it was was it george carlin who said you know it's not like the world is fucked it's, <laughs> yes it's we are humans cannot survive on this planet after the planet shaken us off like a bad case of the fleas We'll, Mm -hmm. we'll be okay. And the the planet will be okay. We'll be gone, but earth will carry on and nature will restore itself to its former glory. It'll
5: just morph into a new form. The earth plus plastic. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Maybe that's what the earth wants. Just plastic.
1: (laughs) Mother nature just wanted a whole bunch of plastic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And now it has got it. She's trying to get rid of us.
1: (laughs) Okay. You've done, you've done your job. It's time for you to exit. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah but we could live in balance with nature we could you know sign a treaty um if you know but mother nature doesn't care about whatever treaty we might or might not sign it's our actions that are mm. going to make the difference and if we started now we could probably barely sneak under the um, time limit before but you know we were not all the people of- yeah. Uh, when you think of all the people on the planet, though, you know, and uh, it's in another 20, 30 years, it's going to be something like uh, nine yeah. billion people on the planet or, you know, some unbelievable. And how can you feed them all? So mm-hmm. your children, your grandchildren, how are, are they going to be part of the lucky few that get to live through the experience? Um, or are they going to be part of that wave of starving to death people wandering the globe looking for something, anything to eat?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: That's a scary thought.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's something which you know, not like I think about it often, but it is something that does come to mind. It's like what kind of world are we turning this shit into for our kids and our grandchildren to live into to live in? You know, it's it's uh it's scary, man. It's scary. It,
1: it is. It's frightening. I'm. It's like, why would you want to have children, when yeah, you look mm-hmm. at what they are going to be facing, mm-hmm. um, through no fault of their own, mm-hmm. um,
0: for us and our, and our parents and grandparents. Yep, it's crazy shit. Because no, you got the global warming, but as you said, there's also the the fact that the topsoil is disappearing. There's only a few harvests left.
1: Yeah, you so. can't grow anything in dirt you have to have the organisms Mm -hmm. uh, in order to do the job. And that's why, well, you know, we work with people around the world already on um, areas where they cannot grow anything on. And it's not just in the desert, the droughty kinds of countries. It's in jungles. It's in Mm -hmm. places where they have plenty of water falling from the sky, but they have destroyed the soil and nothing will grow there. Wow, Damn. how do you fix that well you got to come back in with the microorganisms but you better mm-hmm. make certain it's the right organisms so that you get the full food web
4: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: so it's you you gotta have an understanding of what nature meant um
0: so you said and, that you said a magic word there the food web the soil food web specifically mm-hmm. and because that's a you're the founder of the the soil food web Inc right?
1: Yep. That's my company. And it, it uh, comes from all the work I did as a graduate student um, in um, Texas AM at Colorado State University, at the University of Georgia, at Oregon State, um, going around and giving talks. Mm-hmm. You know, the academic world is fairly much aware. And when you're dealing with biology um, departments and things like that, the sad part for me is that uh, the soils people are some of the folks that have been the most negative about really trying to understand uh, what's going on in soil, because they're not really aware of the difference between soil and dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got to even educate within the academic community that what's actually in what actually makes soil soil and what makes soil soil healthy soil
4: Mm
1: -hmm. yeah three percent organic matter minimum absolutely necessary and yet most of our agricultural lands in the united states are at less than 0.1 percent
4: organic matter
0: really damn i would have thought it was like much higher than that considerably like mostly organic (laughs) oh no (laughs) chemical (laughs) man
2: chemical
1: yep and so collection you can't grow plants without putting in inorganic fertilizers. Well, you use inorganic fertilizers and now you've got pests and diseases of all kinds attacking those plants because those plants aren't healthy. They yeah. don't contain the nutrients that you require in order to stay alive. Think about, you know, 200 years ago, we didn't have stores where we went and bought vitamins. Mm. All of that came from your food. Yep. It's only been in the last. Oh, maybe 20, maybe 30 years that you know, this big growth fat as part of the uh, economy is selling people vitamins, minerals, things that ought to be in their food. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, even though the, those nutrients might be in your food, you're lacking the microorganisms in your digestive system to be able to uh, break those. Mineral nutrients down, convert them into something that can pass through your body and into your bloodstream. Without the right microorganisms in your Mm -hmm. digestive system, you aren't going to be able to use what what nutrients are present in your food.
0: Damn, I didn't even consider that as well. That's that's a good point.
1: It's Mm -hmm. not two things that
0: you seem to mix together often. You know, the bacteria in the soil compared to the bacteria in the food. To what's in your guts and how it all works together to break things down properly.
1: Yep, and when you think about the fact there are more bacterial and fungal, protozoa, and nematode um, organisms in your body than you have cells of yourself. Mm-hmm. We're just uh, walking. I don't know uh, what's the, would be the right term. Uh, um, we're condominium housing for <laughs> yeah. all of these organisms.
0: <laughs> just floating island.
2: just a vessel
1: yep we're. it's a pretty unique situation when you think about all of the things you actually have to obtain from your environment Mm
4: -hmm.
1: when you're thinking about the cycling processes you know uh, people just don't add the soil into that understanding of it's got to be alive, you've got to have the bacteria and the fungi and you got to have the right ones, because if you have the wrong ones, your plants are going to die from being attacked by those disease causing organisms. When you look outside and you can see some part of your habitat is being attacked by a disease or by an insect pest, that that is one of what Mother Nature's way of telling you that there's something very wrong with this plant it's not healthy if it's being attacked why is it being attacked because the plant can't get the nutrients from the soil you've got to have the good guy bacteria and the fungi to make the enzymes pull the nutrients into the bodies of the bacterium and fungi and then the bacterium fungi have to be eaten by protozoa or nematodes or microarthropods they're predators and that's what releases nutrients in a plant available form Very similar processes going on in your digestive system Mm -hmm. where you have to have the whole web of life operating as they're supposed to be operating in all of these different habitats. Wow, and we got 50 years to bring it all back together and start making it work together the way it's supposed to.
0: You and they say 50 years, but you know, it could be 40 for all they know, really.
1: Right. There's a lot of assumptions Mm -hmm. in what they've put together, Um, you know, and and because most people don't understand um, organisms in the soil, I'm absolutely positive that they didn't put in adequate assessments Mm -hmm. of what the biological um, um, balances have to be in the soil to have healthy soil to be to consume. Mm -hmm. um they probably got it very very wrong so maybe in fact all we've got are 12 years
2: wow that's even scarier Mm -hmm. i mean good Mm -hmm. grief 12 years so it's
1: gonna happen in your lifetime
2: Mm -hmm.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: it you know it's right around the corner basically i mean i i sort of feel like well okay i'm 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 facing 70 years old this year um I think I've lived a pretty good life. Uh, okay, I can, I can pass on. But what about you guys? Right. What about your children?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that's where it's so sad.
0: You know, who should be living up to 100 years old? Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that's yeah. a long time from now. That's
2: twice over their estimate. <laughs> so I guess <laughs> right. the obvious question right now is what can we do to fix this?
1: bring it to people's general awareness that they've got to get educated about how to do these things. And um, there's a number of different groups around the world that are training people to fix their soil, to bring it back from uh, you know, dead,
4: mm-hmm.
1: incapable of um, um, growing anything. Um, I was just talking to a number of the soil um, food web um. Consultants in Europe, and they are saying, you know, Elaine, you're you're lucky that you live in the United States where you haven't had the last thousand years of people putting in horrible toxic materials into the soil such that we can't get anything to grow. We can't get Mm. the biology to survive in this cesspit that people laughingly call it soil. (laughs) Well, how do you how do you fix that problem? Well, there are the right microorganisms. and, And luckily, we have a pretty good knowledge. But then that means we've got to grow those microorganisms up to the numbers that we need. So all of Europe could be treated with the right sets of microorganisms to bring them back those soils back into a condition of being able to grow plants.
5: What sort but, of scale do you think we need to start on to do that?
1: We have to take the whole entire city of London and turn it into a giant compost pile.
5: It pretty much is a pot of
0: shit, anyway. So, oh my gosh! a joke, and it's not. It's not. It's it's an all right place. Really. I thought I was
1: talking to the right. <laughs> the right people <laughs> yeah, okay it's we've got to have small pr- production areas all over europe all mm-hmm. over the british isles all over africa all over the indian continent australia you know southeast asia everywhere we've got to take all of our waste p- materials and stop calling them waste materials they're not waste mm. they're a material that we need to put into those compost piles so that we get the whole diversity of microorganisms, the indigenous local species of microorganisms, because Mother Nature has spent the last three and a half billion years making sure that these microorganisms um, can deal with the environment in which they're growing. They're meant to grow here. You cannot take microorganisms from the United States and move them over into Europe. And expect that they're going to work. They're not. They're mostly going to die because they can't deal with the excess moisture. They can't deal with moisture coming at the wrong times of the year. Um, Lots of very, you know, we want to have that diversity of all of these organisms. So it doesn't matter what should be happening. We've got those organisms that will be able to make those processes actually happen but it takes an understanding of -hmm. what has to be there which crops do you want to grow and how much of which crops and we can alter the biology in the soil a bit to make certain that we're going to get maximum production and if we you know if we can do that we look at chemically agriculture chemical agriculture and how much produce they get per acre and we can easily more than a hundredfold increase in in harvest in the plant material that's grown we can get huge increases because now the soil is healthy once again and so there's no portion of the year that any plant would not be able to get all the nutrients it needs every second of every day. And mm-hmm. We can make certain those plants are getting maximum nutritional support, which means the food that you would eat is much less. You don't need to have the volume of food that you're consuming today. It would be 50% less, 75% less, 80, 90% less and you're still getting the same nutrition
0: yeah that's 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 uh efficient
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot more efficient i mean Mm. i just can't imagine it not eating massive amounts of food um you you would think you'd be hungry but no the whole purpose of eating is to get the nutrients that you need Mm
5: -hmm. once you've
1: gotten all the nutrition you you know back away from the table and say i'm full I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't need anymore. I'm ready to go back out there and start growing something else because we're going to need it.
0: Even if just like vanilla cheesecake, or something?
1: absolutely. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and think of think what's actually in a vanilla cheesecake. Well, mm-hmm. you first mm-hmm. have oh, to have the vanilla plant making uh, the, the proper uh, flavors for you. You've mm-hmm. got to have a cow or I mean, goats. I guess you could make uh, cheesecake out oh, no, of goat no, no, no,
0: cow's fine. <laughs> and <go> milk.
1: <laughs> don't ruin my cheesecake Yeah, no, really. and then you've got to have the graham cracker cracker mm-hmm. crust right and so all of those sugars all of that um, plant material that mm-hmm. we use to make those crusts you start thinking about the diversity of foods in something like that
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whoa all now, over the planet and everybody loves cheesecake everybody listening now loves cheesecake so if you, if you want to keep cheesecake Start to start fixing things. Everybody,
1: Everybody now to wants to do
2: cheesecake, shit. Mackie. Exit, problem,
1: you know. Exit every single toxic chemical that you use on or in your garden, on your land, anywhere. They all have to go. And we need it to happen now. Mm-hmm. And so that means you've got to be making the compost yeah. that will have the organisms in it such that you can put that on your plants and all the nutrient cycling that's supposed to happen in the soil happens. And so your plant is getting all the nutrients it needs to be able to protect itself to invoke its own immune system. So it will not be attacked by those um, pests, those bothersome organisms. Um, So now is the time to start get the conversion happening. So that you can be leading the way for your whole neighborhood for right. everybody that you've come in contact with start convincing them that this is the way to go
0: well we had a question there from firetop which sort of relates to that It said uh if i could start a program of making thousands of compost heaps ready and well cooked over a year let's say what would be the next step what would i do with the compost soil to help so if you like, had a company that collected all the food scraps from the, everybody's neighbors in a certain community, for example, and turned that into a compost heap, what would be able to be done with that compost heap? How long you got wait for until it's ready to be used for compost? Well, typically,
1: like I've done a lot of work on composting and, you know, kind of gotten rid of a lot of the, uh, you know, fairy tales about mm-hmm. composting. You can make excellent compost in 21 days. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's all it takes. It doesn't take a year. It doesn't take two years. Mm -hmm. We don't have that long to be messing around. Mm -hmm. So we can make compost in a very short period of time. And as soon as that's finished, the temperature comes back down to ambient temperatures. Now it's ready to be put out on your soil surface or mixed into the soil gently. Mm -hmm. And start raising crops on it. Start um, growing your own sets of uh, foods, your own foods, where you've got all of the uh, nutrition in that plant so that you and your family will not go hungry. Yeah, we're probably going to have to go back to some of the original ways of storing things. Mm -hmm. You might have to, you know, have, uh, you'd have to make yourself some whiskey or you'd have to make some alcoholic beverage, so you can take that liquid and use it to um, preserve. So you would have food through the wintertime before you got your next crop in. Um, you've got to be able to preserve. Um, we, you can, you know, bokashi, all of the kimchi, all of those things are all about using the uh, microorganisms that once the oxygen is moved is utilized by the bacteria and the fungi growing really rapidly, they now start making acids, organic acids mm-hmm. that will preserve that food. Everything you want to eat can be preserved. So you can make it through the wintertime you know, So mm-hmm. Ireland, you're definitely going to need some of that uh, preserved food may mm-hmm. not be the most wonderful, tastiest stuff, but at least you're going to make it through the winter. Um, and then
5: next year, growing season. <laughs> I'd like to see a preserved cheesecake. Ooh.
0: <laughs>
5: it's never going to last that long. You just got to yep. eat it before can <laughs> right, it. Right. Right.
1: you can preserve it. You got to have cows so that every day you're, you're getting the essential ingredient for mm-hmm. a good uh, cheesecake. Um, so it's possible you could have cheesecake every day.
0: Probably awesome. need a couple of cows. To be fair,
1: that's right. We
5: need a lot. <laughs> need a lot of cheesecake. <laughs> so how, how well are some of the microorganisms that we're after that that are going to be beneficial to us? How well do they resist the heat of the of the compost? Is that something oh, that they, we should be worried about?
1: They do quite well at the, those temperatures. Um, and, you know, and and people always say that. Well, you know, it gets so high in temperature that it's going to kill all the microorganisms. And yet that pile stays hot. Damn
2: right.
4: Where
1: does temp, how does temperature get generated in a compost pile? It's the growth of the bacteria and fungi that's so rapid that heat of reproduction is going to cause that pile to get hotter. And so as long as you've got heat being produced, heat generating, you know, you have active living, growing bacteria, fungi, protozoa, nematodes, microarthropods. They're in there.
4: Mm.
1: So, you know, that's an old wives tale about uh, all of your microorganisms are going to be dead. We're lucky that most of the disease causing microorganisms do not have cuticles. They don't have cell wall structures that make them impervious to those high temperatures. Whereas the beneficial organisms, most of them do just fine under those higher temperatures. They've got those cell wall structure. They've got their um, cuticle structure, not going to bother them. Or they have a dormant stage. As soon it gets, as it gets too hot for them, they're just going to go into a dormant stage. A lot of the disease-causing organisms don't have dormant stages that will be uh, that will allow them to be resistant of the effects of that high temperature. And thank Mm. goodness, because how else are you gonna get rid of all these disease-causing organisms if there's not a way for this to happen? And so mother nature simply has not made um, disease-causing organisms with cell wall structures that can survive that heat. Mm. Mm. Pretty, isn't she smart? yeah
0: it's crazy amazing (laughs) so complex
1: Mm -hmm. but you know she it did take her about four billion years to start with bacteria and a lot of
4: mistakes
1: (laughs) I mean, you know and it's and i always wonder what did the dinosaurs do to make mother nature so angry that she wiped them all out let us (laughs) know.
5: i know what it was no i know (laughs) what it
0: was man massive shits she was sick of t- cleaning up <laughs> that T Rex shit. It's like two foot file, big pile of that. No, nobody wants yep. to do that, man. <laughs>
1: yep. Too much. And she finally gave up. Okay, I got to have smaller creatures, uh, human beings. Tried yeah. in
0: a pile of Stegosaurus dung one day. It was like, oh God, these have got to go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Could be. Who knows?
0: <laughs> it's so- crazy. And like things look, like grass wasn't around then as well. So, you know the whole well, microbiology would have been completely different as well
1: yeah it would be quite different mm-hmm. um you know when you think of there are certain plants that are precursors to grasses and they mm-hmm. would have been around when the dinosaurs were around so yeah,
0: like ferns
1: mm-hmm. and uh, you think those... about
0: that how short their lifespan is as well how many generations in between then and now and how much they would have evolved that's crazy
1: yeah plenty of time to evolve mm-hmm. Not a problem, but it did take her a while to get it to get it to where it is today. And then here we are, human beings messing it all up. I think we could be just a little bit easier on our environment.
0: Such a shame, honey. It? It's like we've, we've caused so much damage.
1: And we would we don't have to. We could live in harmony with nature. Mm-hmm. We could we could all have our our own little five or six acres of food production area and support two or three families of people
4: Mm.
1: on that small acreage and we would all have a good life we would all be able to sit around and raise our beers in the late summer afternoon when it's too hot to work we could all have quite a good life
0: yeah people don't even know how to grow things now though
1: yeah well, you know, it's children. They don't know that milk comes from cows. Mm-hmm. You think it comes from the grocery store in this little carton.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, just eek. W- why have we not been taking field trips to grocery stores and talking with the students, your ki- the, the children, about where all of these things actually come from?
0: Wow, that's a good it's idea. Not politically correct.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're pushing yeah. your ideals on my children.
3: Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Milk comes from plastic containers. <laughs>
3: yeah, it comes from the supermarket. Yep. It's let's
1: not shame. go out to a let's not go out to a farm and see where the milking actually comes from. So yeah, we got to mm-hmm. do a better job. Yeah, we okay, have definitely
0: right. got to do a better job. Um a question for Dr. Elaine from Chilbert here. Can you talk a little about the role of weeds, not weed itself, but weeds in uncompacting soil, the order of plants reclaiming and restoring the soil?
1: Um, When you think about a catastrophic event that's going to reset. your Another one?
0: We're going there again.
4: (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) You can't leave
1: catastrophic alone.
4: Um, But as soon
1: as that's happened, most of that uh, soil is not going to actually be soil um, because you don't have any life to build structure. So we've got to get those weeds growing in that soil pretty rapidly. So we've got to have nitrogen fixing plants or nitrogen fixing algae or uh, protozoa or something to start putting the nitrogen back into that uh, into that soil. As soon as you reach a certain level of all the required nutrients being made available. So that means we've got to have the bacteria, we've got to have the fungi with their enzymes to pull those nutrients into their bodies, keep hold of all of those nutrients in their bodies in an organic form. Then when protozoa, nematodes, microarthropods, etc. come along and eat those bacteria and fungi, nutrients are being released that the plant's roots can take up. So you've got to have these processes starting together. And weeds are really good at growing at very low nutrient concentrations. So as long as we have at least a few bacteria, fungi, protozoa, nematodes doing their thing, now that plant can start to grow the seed will germinate it will start to grow and because of the storage form of carbon in your plant um, requires um, photosynthesis to happen so another part of that cycle that has to occur now you're getting carbon into the um, plant And some of that carbon is going to end up being cellulose, structural girders to grow that plant so it moves up into the air and its leaves can um, move out from the body and catch as much sunlight energy as it possibly can. So we're going to be moving from a bacterial-dominated system. I misspoke just a minute ago and, and said bacteria and fungi. Well, it's almost all bacteria. At these early stages so with time enough cellulose is produced so that when that weed dies and the organic matter hits the soil surface now fungi have something to start growing on and so now you're starting with the balancing of the bacteria and fungi now you're going to start um, moving from a nitrate dominated nitrogen pool to ammonium predominated pool and that's what's going to drive succession Mm -hmm. from weeds very necessary you've got every bit of the plant of the uh, soil on this planet had to go through the weed stage of life
4: Mm -hmm.
1: but uh as things progress that fungal to bacterial ratio changes the plants that start to grow have more and more and more carbon stored in the form of cellulose in their bodies which is food for the fungi and so we go on through succession ultimately ending up in a uh, old growth forest
3: obviously weed is just a wrong is a flare in the wrong place
1: yeah and it all depends on your point of view of uh, exactly what is a weedy species um, mm-hmm. very, very important ecological role that they place play in taking catastrophically harmed um, dirt and converting it into something that these more and more uh, productive plants from a human point of view come into existence and yes they have to make flowers some of which are quite beautiful Um, so why where did we come up with this idea that we had to have green lawns with one species of plant in it and nothing else is allowed Hollywood
0: Hollywood did it
1: well, I think even for <laughs> yeah, it's probably Hollywood uh, promoted it. Yeah. The, you know, the um, as soon
0: as color TV came along, everybody saw that lovely green grass.
1: Yeah. But <laughs> why didn't why didn't they stick daisies in it? Why not little creeping, mm-hmm. you know, c- kinds of, of uh, wildflower flowers? So it's a early successional um, pasture systems or meadow systems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why solid green? Where in the world did we ever see anything like that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it was the nobility was around their castles, They had beautifully green grass, nothing else. Mm. And so they must've had a herd of um, underlings that went around and for their whole entire life. And all they did was pull weeds out of that lawn. Mm. And, you know, why did we get stuck on that's beautiful? And all your neighbors are like titch, titch, titching when you've got a whole bunch of dandelions in there or you've got something else in your lawn. Oh, they're not taking care of their lawn mm, properly. Yeah. We, they should get the herbicide out and kill those pretty pink pl- um, flowers. Yeah. We need to change that attitude. You know what you mm-hmm. should be growing in your lawn instead of grass? Grow carrots, grow um tomatoes grow all of the food your family needs to eat in you know your typical suburban um, plot of land that comes with your house you could pretty well support certainly the vegetable end of what you um, wanted to eat or fruit or nuts they could all be grown things that are local could all be grown in your own yard why don't more people do that the permaculture guys do So let's, let's help the permaculture guys learn about soil where they can have a lot higher productivity and convert all the lawns in your neighborhood into food production.
0: It's another good idea. You know, I think people just need to get out there and start these small organizations in their communities. you You know, like the Jehovah's witnesses do you just knock on somebody's door and be like, can i just speak to you for 10 minutes about gardening <laughs>
3: <laughs> allotments allotments in the cities um are grown I, I know in in ireland anyway um allotments are are becoming a big thing of people trying to be self-sufficient i know an awful lot of people that grow their own vegetables and stuff these days as well mm. even in i know some people that even live in apartments and they have a small little greenhouse just out in their little balcony
1: Yep. And so like Master Gardeners in the United States, that's their whole, you know, helping people grow plants for their own consumption. Um, They make compost. I actually have um, taught so many composting courses for the Master Gardeners that I have my master composter label that I get to pin on me when I go to teach some of those classes. But we need to we need to increase that. We need to improve it. Everyone growing needs to understand that they should not be using inorganic fertilizers because inorganic fertilizers are all salts. And those salts are such a high concentration that they will kill the beneficial organisms that you have to have. So don't be using inorganic fertilizers because you're putting your 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 plant material into a health problem. Um, You're killing all of those things that would normally take out the diseases and the pests and the um, weeds, things like that. Um, So we've got to train them to understand how they can grow things where really the only thing you have to do if you've got really good soil with good organic matter layers in there, you have to spend a little bit of time early in the spring to determine whether um, the microorganisms that are in your soil in your beds um, uh, have the right balance for the food that you want to grow. So tomatoes require a fungal to bacterial biomass ratio around 0.75. So 0.75 units of fungal hyphae for every one unit of bacteria biomass. Um, If you want to grow cranberries or you want to grow crab apples or you want to grow, you know, granny smiths or whatever tree you want, you're going to have to get that fungal to bacterial ratio up to around 10 times more fungal than bacterial because trees require ammonium, not nitrate. So, you know, learn what all of those are. levels need to be that select for your the plant that you want to grow here. So that's your a job that you're doing early in the springtime. And a lot of times I go, well, <clears throat> the soil here is no longer at 10 times more fungi than bacteria, so instead of putting in more orchard trees, I think maybe we're going to put some mint in here instead or whatever it is you want to grow. Here's a little patch for the cow uh, that we want to have for all of our uh, cheesecake, nice, and be able to grow that and keep <laughs> it happy. Have all the cheesecake you want. So it's just we... how
0: you keep people happy in general, you know. Just cheesecake is a good way to go, unless GB be being lactose intolerant over there. I was say, not you, everybody. But you know, the biscuits <laughs> the best bit anyway. So
3: they <laughs> <laughs> do make a lactose free uh, cheesecake now. I feel yeah, that... but it's not as good, and you know it. No, I'm sure it's not. I only found lactose-free milk, in fairness, a couple of weeks ago. So I'm back, like, eating cereal and having cups of tea again. So, cool. All good. Yeah, man.
1: It all depends on what you want to grow. And uh, we know simple, easy ways to do that. So now you get all of your plants planted into the system, all the seeds put down. And basically, when you have a good, healthy food web in your soil, you don't have to touch it. For the rest of the growing season mother nature knows how to do this well maybe you want to wander through make sure that you know there are no places that uh, are are, have gotten too wet and you know they're puddling up and now you got a few slugs starting to form a convention okay what does that mean we've got compaction so we teach you how to deal with all of these things aren't going quite right So about all you need to do in the summertime is walk through your garden and make sure that there's nothing out of whack. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you're going to have to harvest at the end of the growing season and all the residues from the plant material that you're not going to actually eat. That all goes down on the surface of the soil and you maybe mix in a little bit more compost. So you're going to maintain the diversity of microorganisms that you might need for the crop that you're going to grow there next year. And you just get to keep moving things around as you want, or or there is no, typically there is no reason that you have to rotate plants Mm -hmm. in a biologically self-sufficient garden because you've got all of the different species of microorganisms. You start growing a plant that actually needs these other microorganisms in there. And you've got these cute little taxicabs that wander around through your whole garden and move all of these beneficial organisms all through your growing system. So that if this plant needs a different microorganism than was in there left over from last year, the taxicabs are going to bring it by and drop it off. Those taxi cabs are things like spiders and Mm. mites and all those cute little nematodes and protozoa in the soil, all those modal things, moving things around. They're also the same things that take all of the biology up into the above ground and make sure all your leaves and all of your stems and all of the bark and all of the flowers and all of the fruit that your plant makes are covered with these highly beneficial microorganisms that help you be able to extract the mineral and um, um, uh, protein structures that you need in order to be healthy.
4: Oh man.
0: So intricate. You know, it's like every little thing just makes a difference. And this is why it, when it's different species get introduced to different uh, Habitats, you know, you know, when they bring an invasive species, mm-hmm. when, when an invasive species gets in and just starts taking over because the whole cycle has just been running itself smoothly for a long time and millions of years, billions of years. And yep. then humans come along and do something and completely fuck it up.
1: Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're so arrogant about yeah. the fact that poor little mother nature, she doesn't know what she's doing.
4: <laughs>
1: what <laughs> who doesn't know what they're doing right. as human beings we don't know what we've the harm that we've been doing and yet we kind of you know pushed mother nature out of the way and said you don't know what you're doing and we're going to make it better and all we've done is destroy the place mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm.
2: is there any middle ground somewhere where we can maybe use our current you know salt-based nutrient and still live within the, this uh, natural web
1: we could there are times and places you know if everybody just started off by reducing the amount of inorganic fertilizers of all kinds you know mm. no more lime i'm sorry lime is a salt that's going to be killing things okay. uh, gypsum salt going to be killing things dolomite salt going to be killing things you just don't want to be putting any of those materials out at anywhere near the concentration That's called for on the back of the of the package. I
2: like that statement right there because we tell people all the time that the manufacturers tell you to use at least twice as much as you need, often not even more. Yeah, yeah,
1: in some cases. And so, in the first year of going biological, maybe you would drop everything back by fifty percent, but the next year as you're getting all these organisms growing and starting to really function properly, the whole system's working, Mm. reduce the amount of inorganic fertilizer by another 50%. And come the third year, you're going to be wondering why you ever fell for their advertising gimmicks. Wow. Because you can see that your plants are growing just fine. You don't need it.
0: Well, you can see that when you go for a walk in the woods and you see all these luscious, beautiful plants and, and bushes growing everywhere. And nobody's feeding them. Nobody's giving them PK. And they're doing just fine.
1: (laughs) Yep. And so where's those nutrients coming from? Mm -hmm. Look at a sequoia tree. Look at some of the old growth redwoods. Yeah. um, um, Yeah. And all all of the old growth forests all over the world. They've been growing there for the last 2000 years.
4: Mm. And
1: nobody's been putting any kind of fertilizer on them. Mm -hmm. so how is it that they can still be growing how can they year after year after year
0: you know we've only salt-based nukes, how are you growing a plant that big you know (laughs) nature knows what it's doing eh?
1: yeah Uh, and he's been pulling maximum amount of nutrient out of that soil every year for the last two thousand years how come he hasn't run out because as water rains on the soil and then starts to move around That's replenishing all of the nutrients that were utilized last growing season. And so you're getting all those nutrients back into the sand, the silt, the clays, the rocks, the pebbles, the organic matter. Wow! Everything's replenished. And so your tree just says, thank you very much for doing that. And I'll give you back those nutrients come uh, the end of the growing season by dropping a whole bunch of needles or dropping the Mm. leaves that uh, on the deciduous trees, there's your organic matter input. And all of those nutrients go right back in to refill those places that your that the, the tree emptied out of that, um, out of that soil. It's all replaced.
2: The The ultimate solar energy cycle.
3: So Dr. Elaine, you're saying if, when the leaves fall, in your garden,
2: you should leave them
3: there yes. and let them. Yeah. End.
1: What I you have, wanted. I have this <laughs> you see,
0: I,
3: I have 70. I have 70. There was 76. There's now 72 trees in my garden and it is a nightmare.
2: When G- it comes around to, to G- I'm right problems. there with you, bro. I don't rake yeah. anything. I just, I mulch the heck out of it. GB
0: just gave his address away because he lives in Windsor
2: Palace.
3: <laughs> 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 oh, but is it. There, there's just so many, and it takes weeks, weeks to clear them up. And I always say to leave them on the ground that it's better for them.
4: Mm. I like
1: I like to rake them up, you know, off the pathways and uh, rake them Mm -hmm. up and put them on the beds, Mm -hmm. because you know, then it looks like you meant to do that, and (laughs) you know, people are, oh, wow, that's that's nice and tidy looking. Well, you know, my garden doesn't exist to look tidy, but I know that that's all good organic material, all the nutrients my plants are going to need for the next growing season. I often where I'm not seeing the amount of decomposition happening as rapidly as it should be happening, I'll take some of my compost and just sprinkle that over the layer of leaves that you perhaps raked up onto these various beds, just so you get more nutrients back into your beds. And all of that should be completely composted and turned into soil by the time you're going to be planting anything next spring. So don't rake it up and put it into big piles and make you know expect somebody else is going to go throw it away. If you want to be making compost to maintain fertility in your beds, you probably want a lot of your neighbor's leaves as well as your own.
0: Yeah, I'll do. I'll do grass feed, bro. Don't worry let me get them leaves up for you there <laughs> that's
1: right yeah and and then they'll own you uh, you'll have to get a guinness or two out of them in return for raking up the leaves it was such a hard thing to do you you know deserve at least three guinnesses well,
0: right my missus has got a worm farm in the back garden it's getting pretty big now and mm-hmm. she's you know it's hard to give them all the food they need because you just can't produce that much food scraps and then it, she saw the neighbor out in the back garden. She's like, Is that like potato peelings and things like that? Which I can feed to my worms. <laughs> and now the neighbor's also giving food to the worms. Well, see, that's oh,
1: the no way girl. to do it. Yeah. See, there's no such thing as food waste mm-hmm. because some, that's food to somebody and mm-hmm. give it to the somebody that needs it.
4: Yeah, and then
1: it. you have this wonderful product called compost. And worm compost is some of the best. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You just want to make certain that you're only putting a layer of food in the top that will be able to be completely decomposed by the earthworms within a three day period of time. Yeah. Because otherwise you get um, fungus gnats and, um, you know, things you don't, they're kind of annoying, Um, come over and lay eggs. And mm-hmm. if the worms don't eat those eggs, yay, worms, do your job.
4: <laughs> uh, if they don't
1: eat them. And that means you've got too much food on the surface mm-hmm. of your worm bin. So back off a little bit.
0: Yeah, she learned some of this the hard way. One of the worm bins did get infected with loads of flies and had to be all cleaned up. And, uh,
1: what yeah, can you do? it's a little disgusting. Well, yeah. just don't, don't overfeed. It's much better mm-hmm. to underfeed them. she she fed it year. a banana.
0: she fed the worm in a banana, and that just like was far too wet and it went funny and, and soon yep. made flies.
1: Your um, compost piles, uh, uh, the worm compost piles should not ever get above sixty to seventy percent moisture. Mm. And the easiest way to tell whether you're in the that vicinity, Is dig into the pile a little bit, try to take the worms out because you don't want to be squishing your worms. Mm -hmm. But if you've done that, now you squeeze that handful of the compost material and you should all you should be able to drip out like two to three drops of water. Should be some, you know, that's how much you should be able to express out of 60% moisture. Mm -hmm. 70% moisture, it's probably going to be up more of you know like five to ten drops um you should be able to squeeze that out if you squeeze more it's too wet your your worm bin's going to be going anaerobic and now you're inviting the bad guys to come Mm -hmm. in and take over
4: Mm -hmm. yeah so that's what happened
1: yeah Mm -hmm. you gotta gotta be checking moisture every once in a while to make certain that things aren't too wet now, what if they're too dry? What if you squeeze and nothing comes out? Okay, you, now it's getting too dry and all your worms are going to start going, I think it's time to escape out the bottom, guys. <laughs> so they're going to go look for a different place to live. Right. So yeah, they do have some requirements that you have to recognize.
0: It's so cool. I reckon everybody should, anybody who grows anyway should get themselves a little worm bin. Yeah. That's super cool and uh and a composter as well you know making their own compost any way you can just reuse any food scraps or gardening scraps and things like that and reintroduce it into the garden is a good thing to do
1: yep absolutely and it's you know um what i like to do with my materials like at christmas time or at thanksgiving when we have big family meals and you know we've got 16 people here um it's too much food to to load onto the worm bin. It's just too much. Mm. So we've gotten a small dehydrator, and we just you know slice everything up, throw the excess in the uh, dehydrator, and then you can store it and use it. You know next summer, next Christmas. Oh, that's whatever. a good
0: idea. That is, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Because then you don't have to worry. You don't. You're not taking up your freezer space mm-hmm. by, you know, taking stuff that's going to turn stinky if you leave it too long. Um, you got to get it to the worms or dry it.
4: Mm.
0: It's a good idea. I'll and little, to the wife.
1: Yeah, and then it, you don't have to worry about. Oh, you know, this stuff is starting to smell really horrible, and I've got to go and put it on on the worm bin and. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have the master gardeners club meet at my house. And I just put <laughs> that stinky smelly <laughs> uh, stuff on the worm bin. Uh, <laughs> not good.
0: <laughs> uh, so when we, uh, when we started the interview, we was talking about how dire things are. Mm-hmm. And we've only got a certain amount of things, a certain amount of time to fix things. Is it possible? Can we do it? And if so, how do we do it? How do we, we save can- the world?
1: We can definitely do it. We just mm. have to have everybody wake up to the fact that they've got to be doing biological cleanup of everything. You know, Run your drinking water through a really good compost material and it'll take out all the diseases and the pests and the problem organisms, mm-hmm. um, tie them up in the compost. So you can be cleaning up your own water so it's good enough to put on all of your crop you could uh, run it through a you know one of those the um the purifying you know like a uh, i'm not going to remember the name of the material but you run it through a small container where it Mm -hmm. takes out the last little bit of um you know smell or funny taste so run it through there and then you've got nice clean water to be using to be drinking. Um, And uh, of course, anything else outside, you just run it through the compost. And the plants don't care about kind of off flavor materials coming through to them. It's just a different um, form of the nutrients that they need, typically. Mm. So we can clean water up that way. We, uh, you know, we need to stop allowing our nutrients to leach out of the soil and go down the hill. We don't want any more runoff. We don't want erosion and the proper biology in your soil solves all that because the bacteria and fungi make aggregates that do not allow leaching. They do not allow um, erosion to happen. Your soil is all tied together. Not going to go washing down the hill. So you know, especially you go out to chemical agricultural fields and every time it rains, the soil is just washing away. Well, there's nothing to tie it in place. They've got to get things tied to, into place so it stops destroying the rivers and the lakes and the streams and the ocean. And I mean, it's like, look at mm. Australia. They're finally coming around to understanding that all the chemical agricultural um, toxins that were running off into the ocean was destroying, is still destroying the Great Barrier Reef, 75%. And I've heard now values of up to 85% of the um, Great Barrier Reef is dead. Well, what's the effect of all those waves in the ocean hitting a dead reef? What's going to happen to that reef? It's going away. And as soon as that Great Barrier Reef is gone, what's going to happen to the sandbar that we call Australia?
2: It's going to go away.
1: Yeah, very rapidly. Every time they have a storm, every time. yeah. So get to work, Australia, come on, pay attention. Um,
0: Wow, I didn't even know it was this bad. I mean, I knew it was bad. Yeah, that that's bad. (laughs) That's some crazy shit, man.
1: Yeah, and they've had plenty of time to fix the problem. Wow. But nobody really. Where's the backbone for all of this? You know, it's sort of like um, I have helped to bring to to mind to people to bring to their conscious level of the problems that we've got and how we can fix them. They are all fixable, but we got to start working on them. Now we mm-hmm. don't have time to mm-hmm. fool around.
0: You just got to spread awareness as much as possible, I suppose.
1: Yep. And so with the, with you guys putting on these kinds of shows where you talk about this and 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 maybe have pictures of people going out and making compost, and mm-hmm. take people through step by step. This is what you do. You know, you've got a little dehydrator on your counter in your kitchen. You've got space in your um in your freezers to store these things until you can put them out on uh, your compost piles mm-hmm. until you start your next pile. Here's how you take that compost material and put it on your um on your beds and here's how you plant and here's how you have protection layers on the surface of the soil we want everybody to have very low growing ground cover so that drops of rain coming from the heavens doesn't impact on their soil surface with a bang compacting your soil and destroying the structure that the bacteria and fungi are making for you got to have something intercept that raindrop smacking onto the surface of your um, soil Mm -hmm. (laughs) ground cover i don't care which one you like best well you know pick out 30 of them and you know put seeds to all 30 different kinds and what you'll discover in the first year that about 10 of those 30 will actually germinate and start to grow but the next year when the climate's a little bit different when the weather's a little bit different now next year you're going to have the same 10 but the other 10 not coming up but something else going to come up instead so all those seeds you put in over the course of the next 50 to 100 years all of those seeds will germinate and grow probably Mm -hmm. but it's going to be a different community with each passing year so how much fun are you going to have pointing that out, looking at the changes and knowing that you're growing good food for your family.
4: Yeah. We
0: have to take that step, man. You know, for for the future of humanity.
1: Yep. Yep. Get hold of your local version of, uh, you know, gardeners incorporated (laughs) or Mm -hmm. um, the master gardeners or whatever you have, because There'll be someone with the knowledge. Any question mm-hmm. that you want to have answered can probably be answered by those experts in your local indigenous system.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. There's plenty of uh, allotments around my way. There's lots around here. Lo- loads of people know how to grow. It's just getting young people involved. You know, mm-hmm. they need to teach us more important things like algebra at school. <laughs> not this whole growing food thing, and keeping yeah. the planet feeding
2: alive. And keeping ourselves alive. Yeah.
0: No. No, not that. No. We've got to know what X plus Y equals B, <laughs> B means. <Yeah. laughs> You've got to be
1: able to calculate how much energy it's taking for you to grow your own food. Yeah, <laughs> that's right.
2: that's right. calculate how long we have left on uh, this earth before <laughs> we kill ourselves. Oh my yep. gosh. Mm-hmm. Ah. Yep.
1: So. <laughs> That's our jobs. We've got to mm-hmm. get out there and start helping people do the practical end of things.
0: Mm-hmm. So where can we refer people to? What can we, we can send people to your website, right?
1: Yep. Yep. So um, we have consultants that we've been training all over the world. So I know we've got, I think there's at least two people currently training to become consultants from Ireland.
4: Cool. Um, cool.
1: Yeah, so you'll, you'll have your authorities there. And of course, they're learning things every year. Um, so it's not like we know, have the answers to everything. And, and how does somebody
0: become a consultant?
1: Um, we have um, virtual um, classes where um, the first set of those classes are called the foundation courses. So far, foundation courses, number one. We go through all of the background information that you need to have to make the right choices to start um, being able to choose which is best for your conditions. What are all the factors you want to think about? Um, What are all the organisms? How do you get them into the ground? How do you make the compost? How do you make the teas? So foundation course number two is how to make compost. And we go through the thermal composting process. We go through the um, stagnant, uh, or um, you know, where you put the pile together, and it has to be together for uh, about two years before you can use it.
4: Mm-hmm. For me,
1: that's way too long. I don't have the passion, <laughs> the uh, ability to wait that long <laughs> for the end product. So right. you can see why the uh, thermophilic approach. Uh, works much better for me because we figured out how to get it down to a 21 day process. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's having Ooh. the right microorganisms in there. Um, and then uh, a course on how to take that compost and turn it into a liquid form. Because you will in the first year of starting this, you're going to want to be able to spray the foliage of your plants. It doesn't matter if it's a great big tree or if it's a you know, ground cover or if it's a tomato plant or you know, some of some of the uh, 12 foot tall cannabis plants that we grow. Um, <laughs> yes, a few buds on that puppy. Um, so um, um, so you want to um, be able to make your own compost, your own compost teas. And we teach you how to do that. It's all virtual. But, you know, we are. We've got the camera right in there where here's me with the shovel and showing you how to shovel, how to do, you know, so everything is very uh, clear, at least we think it's very clear. We aren't hearing any complaints, so if you have complaints, voice them, please um, fix things up.
3: And when is the next course um, going to be starting up?
1: They're um, at any time you want to sign up because these are virtual and you're given the link to the the courses you go at your own speed Mm -hmm. um when you finish a lecture you have a a group of like 10 to 20 questions about you just what you just listened to and if you do um you know if you pass you get the link for the next um series of of lectures
3: cool i'm gonna have a go i'm just i'm (laughs) gonna sign up myself let's all do it everybody (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, because yeah. yeah. this is what you got to have. This is what you have to know. Mm-hmm. So you don't spend so much money. Um, mm. So uh, we, we do want you to learn how to use a microscope. So the fourth uh, foundation yes. course is to use a microscope. <laughs> now, it's not that difficult. It, you, you, you do have to have a little patience on, and be able to follow the directions. But just in case you are really not somebody who can deal with a uh, microscope, that's where the consultants come into play. They know how to use the, um, the microscope. They can do all of the, that kind of assessment for you if you just really are you an know, anthema to using a microscope. <laughs> so, but most people find, well, um, if you go to our website and look at some of the pictures of the microorganisms, and I think you will be so blown away. You'll be so like, but I want to count mm-hmm. my own.
4: Yeah, How many yeah. do
1: I have in my soil? Is it bigger than the number you've got in your soil? I've got more bacteria than you do. Um, you can have all mm-hmm. of those fun little games, you know? So, and, you know, instead of sitting around just drinking a beer in the evening, you sit around looking through the microscope, put it, put it up on a camera, on the, on the screen next to the microscope, and you can all be identifying all these different organisms in the, in the soil. Are, is this a good guy or is that a bad guy? Mm. um have some fun and then you know you can double check by um sending the pictures that you recorded to your consultant so they can let you know what's going on in here
0: we can find that all on your website
1: yep that's all on the website we've got lots of different things on the website we've got cartoons that a lot of people get a better understanding if they watch the cartoon and then go take the classes um so the then, if you really want to become a professional, um, we have people who do just the laboratory work, and so um, they can send um, you can send your samples into that person just for the lab. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have any in Ireland. So, uh, you know, other places, yes, absolutely, on the continent, um, there are or are there are pe- there are people there. Um, so, in England as well, Scotland. Um, so. We're, we're getting more and more people around the world doing this work.
4: Yes, and it always,
1: good. it always seems like, you know, when somebody sets up their shingle, the first thing you should do is go and talk at different grower groups. Mm-hmm. And here's what we do. We do this, these assessments. You don't have to make your own compost. We'll make the compost for you. You just have to pay us for it. Um, and so for those growers that really want to operate by being the hands that put things out there, they don't want to make compost. They don't want to make teas. Then you can become a company that makes the compost for them. Mm. You make the teas and you deliver it and you stand there and watch while they put it on, mm. to make sure that they actually put it on right away. I, okay. we've had growers that um, order a compost tea. We bring it out. Um, they, they, their workers start working and get a quarter of the paddock filled sprayed and then they all have to go on coffee break and so they come back two and a half hours later without having aeration going with the compost tea Hmm. and all of the bacteria and fungi have used up all of the all of the oxygen in Hmm. that tea and the, the smell coming from that That um, sprayer is just, oh my God.
2: (laughs) I know that smell. That's why I'm laughing. (laughs) Uh,
1: You've been there, done it a few times. Yes, a few
2: times.
1: (laughs) So we want to have somebody there going, uh, you know, arms crossed as they come up to the sprayer and say, okay, we're going to get going again. And um, the the response is uh, only if you want to kill all your plants.
4: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, All the whatever's in here, just throw it out, go put it into the uh, sewage treatment plant because exactly. that's what this is worth. You cannot leave it without aeration um, for two and a half hours while you go have you know breakfast at the local yeah. pub or something. Mm.
2: Try overnight in my case. I'll, I'll admit it was it was a bad thing. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh,
1: and and you you very clearly remember those. Oh, sorts
2: of it'll <laughs> never happen again. The smell is like imprinted on my mind.
1: And it gets stuck to the surface of your sprayer, too. Mm-hmm. So you're you're trying to <laughs> scrub it out and scrub it out and scrub it out. And it's it like, this go ever going to stop stinking.
2: I bought yep. a new sprayer eventually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so no one listening to this will make that error. Yep. No. Yep. We did so, have Joba
0: ask here, uh, would you be able to recommend a good microscope
1: um, from an uh, international company called LW? um scientific equipment and um when you take the microscope uh foundation class we go through all of that we go through you know here are the here are the microscopes that we've found to be the best Um, and uh, then for glassware and the pipettes and the test tubes that you need to have um, places where you can go buy um those starting material those materials um they're all right list, listed um right for you in the um in the video
0: awesome and it sounds like you've you spent a lot of time putting these calls together as well right eh?
1: yeah i do like to point out that um it's um been, i've been working in this field for the last 45 years Damn. and i developed the actual um type of Um, microscopy that you use to be able to see these organisms very clearly Mm -hmm. in the microscope. So um, yeah, 45 years in the making. So I I know a little bit about the kinds of questions that you're going to (laughs) ask.
0: Super cool, man. You must've seen so much.
1: I have stared through a microscope, you know, for, um, I think probably about five and a half years of my life have been looking through a microscope
0: cool wow Wow. it's impressive man i'm gonna get a microscope because i used to be a cocoa grower salt salt grower growing cocoa qua. but Mm. then i've gone to organics and i mix my own soil and re-amend it when it needs to be done and things like that so I'm, i'm a lot less damaging on the environment nowadays but i want to make some better compost i don't have a big enough worm farm to make enough compost for me just yet but they're working on it Yep. You know, they're breeding and feeding them avocado. You know <laughs> <laughs> They're getting bigger <laughs> as we go. of taste. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, it's like an aphrodisiac for them. So you feed them avocado and they'll breed more often. I don't know. This is what the wife tells me. This is why she gets avocado. Uh-huh. <laughs> ah,
1: it has nothing mm, to mate, do with the fact yeah. she loves avocado.
0: Yeah, maybe there's <laughs> no, something actually. else going on here. Huh? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Uh, what is she, what's she doing all day while you're, you're away
0: in <laughs>
3: avocado and toast, I think.
1: Yep.
3: <laughs> uh, and it's just for the worms.
1: That's right. It's a, she's sacrificing for the worms.
0: <laughs> oh,
3: of
1: course. Yep. Spoils them. Yep. So, you know, we have mentors who, when you, when you're taking the courses that will allow you to run a lab or become a consultant uh, for, And we usually split things up between growers that you would be working for locally or large scale agriculture. They're kind of two different mindsets. And so if you're going to be working with large scale growers, we have a um, course uh, for the consultants that want to be large scale um, consultants. Versus people who would be helping their neighbors and and uh, friends and family and things like that, you usually are going to end up with more than enough people uh, wanting your services. You know, it may take three or four months to kind of build things up, hmm. but you will you will reach the point where you've got to be turning people away, and that's kind of the time and the place to. You know, go get a, a friend, go get somebody who really wants to do this and have them start taking some of your um, clients off your hands.
0: Cool. And it, it seems as if this is um, a business that's going to be expanding over the next 20 years, for example. People yeah. are becoming wiser to all of this and starting to make their own compost and that kind of thing.
1: Yep. And it's a way we've got to go. We, we mm-hmm. can't keep destroying resources on this planet the way we are. Um, I will be happy for that day when the um, Arctic and the Antarctic start freezing up again.
3: Mm.
1: You just have to hope. (laughs) Pardon?
3: I think we'd all be happy if that started happening again.
1: Yep. Yep. It's sort of worry about all of the polar bears and all of those (laughs) indigenous organisms that are so beautiful. Um, What are they going to do if we don't get our act together and reverse stuff? as Mm -hmm. rapidly as possible because if everybody on this planet started composting we could put back into the soil all of the carbon dioxide that we've put into the atmosphere in um uh, the minimum would be three years Mm -hmm. so we could come out of this in a three-year period of time if people would just get to work and um, actually start doing this.
0: So it's pretty easily fixable as well. It's not as even if, you know, trying to invent new technology to sub carbon out the atmosphere, this is pretty simple. Three years and we could have this problem at least mm-hmm. being on the way to be fixed.
1: And all, all of the soil in, in your um, yard and in your possession uh, would have an organic matter level of you know, 75, 85%. And wow. if you wanna be impressed by plant growth, Grow your plants in 100% organic matter. Mm, mm -hmm. It's just amazing. Yep, you got to have the right biology, but it can't be soil if you don't have the biology in it. Um, And you just find some of the most amazing production systems when you are making certain that you've got a nice thick layer of 100% organic matter good structure within the bacteria and fungi are going to build the infiltration rate for you so the water moves at a good rate through and is held deeper down inside of the soil Um, all because the bacteria and fungi are building those structures for you The, the larger organisms start building larger openings larger passageways hallways to let oxygen go deeper and deeper and deeper into the soil, which is how all the oxygen gets down there to 12 miles deep.
0: That's crazy as well. 12 miles.
1: Yep. Wow. Yep. That's
0: pretty amazing, man. That's you, like you, deeper than any mine that we have on earth, right? Like, there are mines deep.
1: that are 12 miles deep.
0: Really? So
1: there are some that are, they're approaching 13, 14. That, Whoa. You know, must deeper be and some deeper
2: valuable stuff down there, my gosh! Yep. yeah, I mean, <laughs> water, <laughs> well,
0: venture from yes. the aquifers, man. Eventually. We're in out of that, too. That's yep. so, crazy.
1: Yeah, it is. I, I was um, amazed uh, at the depth at which you know people sent us samples. We looked at the label that said, you know, 12 miles deep, wow. and I was like. Hmm. Y- y- you messed up. Yeah. You forgot a the typo. Point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's supposed to be a little dot between the one and the two. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> and so I'm trusting those people to have told me the truth that uh, that came from 12 miles down.
0: Imagine being 12 miles down. Imagine being one of those miners who worked down there. I would be freaking out.
1: I yeah, <laughs> it's all strictly drilling. At that mm. depth, I don't think there's any yeah. human beings down it's there. It's probably too
0: warm miles. for people to go down there. Isn't it? it's, yeah,
2: it's going to be warm yeah. down there. Got to be hot. Yep.
4: Um,
1: you're not that far from molten lava.
2: Ooh, ooh,
1: ooh. Yep.
0: Sounds fun. This sounds like good holiday. <laughs> Anybody fancy it? This is a job <laughs> choice, Mackie. Here, you
2: know, i not a, <laughs> <little, laughs> a miner.
0: <laughs> i'm gonna go mine some lava with bacteria in it. that's exactly.
1: right <laughs> gotta get your special containers so it mm-hmm. will come back up still molten um, up it's all
0: the all the really. growers out there
2: well <laughs> elaine i have a question i mean i've, I've been looking online lately at, at composting things and i've seen a whole lot of these composting starters accelerators is this something that's even worth the money
1: nope not okay. at all there you go Um, And part of the problem is, you know, people make up these mixes of organisms from uh, this microbiome.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, Mm -hmm. but what if you're in a different microbiome? Wow. Those microorganisms may or may not Mm. do beneficial things.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So um, Mm -hmm. most of them are going to die. You've got to if you're going to be taking something from one microbiome um, to another biological region you better do some testing to make certain what's going to survive at the other end and that it's not going to become a pathogen Mm -hmm. there's like there's like three very clear new cases of disease causing organisms being translocated from one um you know bio biological area to another, and causing outbreaks of diseases that we never knew about. These are new; they're new discoveries. It's you know, like a, oh, I'm not going to remember the name of it on the bananas in uh, Florida. N- a new disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, not cool. You, we can't let these things go from biome to biome to biome. Mm. We can't be mindless about it. Um, So I want you to always use indigenous organisms, the organisms that are already present. that Mother nature has been using for the last three and a half billion years. So
2: things we don't even need to have to harvest, they're already here
1: right now. Yeah, you don't have (laughs) to be bringing in some special compost, you know, something that's going to go through your compost pile so fast and use up most of the energy so quickly that you have basically nothing left. Hmm. That's uh, not. That's not what we want to do. We want to be growing the indigenous organisms that do very beneficial things for the plants that can grow mm-hmm. in your, you know, in your biome.
4: Mm.
0: Damn, that's eye-opening. That mm-hmm. is.
1: Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it doesn't take more than one or two composting cycles to build up your own uh, mixture of microorganisms. Right. So the very first pile you make go out and take a leaf from over here and take another different kind of leaf from from the next door neighbors and a different kind from there and you know you you see a weed so pull it out well that goes right into the compost pile Mm -hmm. there's not a weed that's survived a properly made compost ever (laughs) so you know just bring all of the diversity go and you know ask your neighbors can i just take you know maybe 10 grams of soil out of your bed where you've got really great production, can I, you know, the next neighbor, can I take a little of yours and a little of yours, it's all going to go into your compost pile. And -hmm. you're just spreading the inoculum of these really beneficial organisms. Now, there could be some disease-causing organisms that you've just inoculated your pile with, but that's why you're going to go through the process of composting. Mm -hmm. You've got to make sure everything in your pile has been subjected to those conditions that are going to kill the disease-causing organisms, the pests, the parasites. They will be wiped out. But you got to follow directions. you got to get the temperature above 131 degrees Fahrenheit for a full three days. That's the only way. Well, and you've got to keep the compost pile aerobic you got to make certain that the good guys are going to take out all of the bad guys. And they only can do that if they're living in an aerobic environment.
2: So we, so all of that is explained.
1: Yep. That's I'll explain for you in the um, compost. um, The foundation course, number two.
0: Wow. Sounds like a great course, man. I think a lot of our listeners are going to go check that out. Hopefully, at least. And they can that, find that on the SoilFoodWeb.com, right?
1: Yep. SoilFoodWeb.com. Cool.
0: Nice and easy to find. Wow.
1: And you get to take it at your own speed. You know, we have some people who are just so excited about it that they get through all the lectures in one week. <laughs> Um, I think they're, you know, living, breathing, and eating the yeah. um, the subject material. I'm surprised. Some people... sure isn't
0: on it right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ordering it right now. Very Gotta good. Gotta
0: go. Got things to do. Goodbye. <laughs> yep.
1: You'll get to see a lot of Elaine um, <laughs> because I did most of the lectures when we first see. started out, and now I've got a good herd of. Of students around uh, doing really great jobs, and so uh, the next uh, update of what we um, have on the uh, on the on the classes will probably be somebody else.
0: Hmm. Expanded.
1: Yep. Yep. I I like the research and development end of things. I like mm. helping people out in the field.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so see, I can kind of take a step back from the commercialism the sales and marketing that's like that's a part of the business i am not good at
0: yeah let the pros do that
1: stuff yeah let let the people who know how to do marketing let them Mm. do that Mm. um i still check things to make sure that they're not putting um words in my mouth they there over the years there have been some pretty interesting things that some people thought i said um <laughs> no we yeah. cannot make good compost overnight that is not mm-hmm. possible
0: you did mention a few times how you can make it in 21 days how would you go about doing that
1: well you've got to start with uh, um the recipes so basically you're gonna have um three components within your pile you want a high nitrogen component which is uh things like legumes um mm. uh, manures uh you've got to Go and make certain that with the manure, nothing bad is in the diet of that animal. Hmm. If they're trying to raise that animal on Purina Cow Chow, you know, that just keep going to the next animal, to to the next (laughs) farm, because that's not good shit. (laughs) That is not good shit. Yeah. We need grass fed. Yeah. Yeah. Please. That would be much, much better. Or, that they're really, really careful about the food that they're feeding those animals. Um, and then that's okay. So but you, you got to do some checking up on people. Um, and so that high nitrogen containing material, that's the party food. That's what gets the microorganisms growing so rapidly that they're producing the temperature, they're producing that heat. And you want the middle part of the pile to get real hot like that. So when you're mixing all, everything together, you want to mix things as, as um, uniformly as you can. You do not have to go crazy about it, however. Just, you know, decent, um, decent mix. Mm-hmm. And then the organisms in the middle are going to be the organisms that kind of uh, get all of the heat. Mm-hmm. And we want that to be above 131 degrees Fahrenheit for... Um, Uh, three days so what is that 72 hours um and uh, then you turn the pile and there's a particular way we want you to turn the pile so that what was in the middle and hot you've killed all the bad guys in there that goes to the bottom of the next place you're going to have your pile um you then want to um make certain that the what was on the top now goes into the middle of that pile. And that's the next place where you expect to see all that heat being generated. And Mm -hmm. then the bottom of the pile goes on the top. And so you repeat that process, when you have gotten the um, compost pile hot enough, long enough. So we go through all of those, you know, hot enough, long enough, well, above 131 degrees Fahrenheit, Um, or what is it, 55 degrees Celsius Mm -hmm. uh, for 72 hours. Or if you get up to 140, 150 uh, range, uh, you only have to hold on to it um, for 48 hours, and then Mm -hmm. you can turn. If it jumps right up to um, 160, 165, you only have to hold it for 24 hours. So there's a, it gets confusing for people uh, exactly. Um, I How long see, to I do I it for? I Turn on the, my camera. Oops. Yeah, so it's oh. it's got a, all parts have to get into that hot middle mm-hmm. and have to get hot enough, long enough. So, mm-hmm. you know, quite often it's three days for the first turn at, at just above 131. And typically you want it to get up you know, 135, 140 um, for 72 hours. Mm-hmm. Well, then you turn the pile, everything drops back down to really near ambient. But within the next couple of hours, the microorganisms take right off again because you've got given them uh, a whole new surface to work on. Mm-hmm. And um, it, uh, uh, the, the high nitrogen, the party food, gets the party going again in the middle of the pile. And quite typically, we'll see temperatures up around 145 to 150. And so it only has to be at that temperature for 48 hours. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: Turn the pile. And now, because everything's kind of cooking really well, that last set of party food just, boom, takes off. And you're up there at 170, 175. Um, that's where you do want to be smelling your pile and making sure it's not going anaerobic anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so should smell kind of sweet, right?
1: Yep, it should smell like a forest soil. Yes, earthy. Um, earthy, yeah. And it's not the smell of, you know, how people, uh, as a storm is coming
2: mm-hmm. and
1: the gusts of wind are oh, passing.
2: On, yeah,
1: yeah. And so, you know, people will say, oh, isn't that a wonderful earthy smell? No, different, different. That, that is the smell of actinobacteria, which if you're trying to grow um, any of the, you know, carrots, um, onions, garlic, tomatoes, potatoes, you know, most of our herbs and things like that have to be mycorrhizal. And actinobacteria suppress the growth of mycorrhizal fungi. Ooh. Yeah. And most people (laughs) haven't done that testing. So when you're growing something like coal crops, kales, mustards, Mm -hmm. uh, the brassica, those crops should never become colonized by mycorrhizal fungi. So the actinobacteria are great where you're growing those kinds of plants but if you're trying to grow you know the true row crops the you know the the solanaceae you don't want anything to do with actinobacteria so your nose is a really good way to tell these major divisions of microorganisms you know if i want mycorrhizal colonization i better not be Putting that soil
2: mm-hmm.
1: anywhere near that plant.
2: I never actually um, knew my nose was doing this. I mean, I just know when when it smells right to plant, but I had no idea what I was doing there.
1: Yep, uh, why it works, yeah, and, really. and I'm always, I gotta know why it works. Mm-hmm. I used to drive my all of my teachers crazy because I always would be saying why.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds why like, like a parent's worst nightmare.
1: <laughs> I, I'm sure I was. Um, I I've figured out how to solve it though as a as a, a parent. Um when they ask why is the sky blue, you explain in excruciating detail oh my God. why the sky is blue. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> they learn, don't ask mom anything because she's gonna spend the next hour explaining. Oh my
3: gosh.
2: Okay. One more question about commercial stuff. Um, Compost tumblers. What are your, what is your opinion on tumblers?
1: You have to be really careful about tumblers because how can you get enough oxygen into the inside of that can basically
4: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and,
1: and keep things aerobic when you've just shut your, your organisms and the organic matter into a sealed Metal container.
2: Exactly. That's what my thought was, but I mean, you're the expert, so might as well ask the expert what I have her here.
1: Exactly. And now you're not saying, well, you know, this is what I think. You can say, Dr. Ingham told me.
2: Well, I'm thinking (laughs) $100 is not going to happen right now because this thing is a piece of junk. Mm.
1: Yep. So, you know, I we get people who get netting. Yeah. Where good air passageways, hallways through. And you know, on the like, you have that, um, gosh, what's it called in the hardware store hardware cloth? Mm-hmm. Um, you have big openings, but inside that, you basically do like a um, um netting that you would use to keep um v- everything except the really fine stuff going through.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So on the inside, you line with that, and now you can put. Go um, your compost in there and have a little motor that just cranks your um, compost around at a well I'm going too fast here I got you. so you want it going along so that you know it maybe takes an hour for that um, container to um, be um, moved along there's there's some large scale there's a company out of uh, Iowa, um, uh, Jimmy uh, Sinton is his name is running that, uh, you know, they've, they've got one ton size of wow. um, those. It's a Turner. It does a, a very, it makes great compost, mm-hmm. um, high concentrations of really good organisms. So a few places have really gotten things um, figured out but you know for small scale just build your own you you don't need anything fancy
2: hmm. you heard it from <laughs> the expert right there right. compost is not easy. expensive just do it
1: yeah it's none of it should be all that expensive probably the most expensive thing you do with a compost pile is if you're going to really go large scale with it, you've got to have a, a pad that you have compacted so that even when it rains, mm-hmm. you're not going to have sinkholes and things like that. So you, it's uh,
2: Yeah, now my father-in-law used to claim that unless you had some kind of a non-permeable membrane under your compost pile, that all the, all the surrounding organisms around you are getting all the good stuff.
1: <laughs> no, no. Most of the good stuff stays up there in the compost.
5: There you go. Um,
1: I'm sure you're getting some, but see, we're we are going to hold percent moisture at 50 percent in Ooh. a typical thermal pile. 50 percent moisture. That's it. You don't want any more because if you've got water dripping out the bottom, if the water's running out of the bottom of your pile and into the soil, okay now you're losing all kinds of good stuff Mm
2: -hmm.
4: so
1: you don't ever let your compost pile get waterlogged there you go because as soon as you get waterlogged compost how are you going to get oxygen into the middle of that pile and keep it aerobic in the middle of that pile you're not you're going to be making you know horrible you know black smelly sticky disgusting ah vomit
2: I've smelled it and, and yeah. it smells fecal. Let's just say that right there. Uh-huh. It's done. Uh-huh.
1: Yep. Because when I first started out trying to make a compost, it was, okay, I will go to everybody I know that makes compost and get their recipe. I'll get the, you know, what do they do? And I very rapidly learned that you do not make a compost pile out of 100% moisture starting materials. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
1: Fifty percent. That's all. The higher you're going, mm-hmm. and it's really easy to, to um, determine whether your pile is at fifty percent. Hand into the pile, you know enough material that you can uh, close your hand around it. You squeeze just as hard as you possibly can. And since I'm a woman and I really don't have the muscle mus- musculature, I squeeze. And I'll get just enough water coming between my fingers. That's 50% moisture for someone who doesn't have massive muscles. Mm -hmm. You guys, now you're probably going to be able to squeeze one or two drops out of that. So there is a little difference depending on your arm strength. Um, So you want somewhere in there. That's 50% moisture. And it's 50% free water inside that compost. That's really important. Mm -hmm. So... You can you don't need fancy you know, moisture detectors which don't work in a compost pile anyway. <laughs> you have to have waterlogged conditions in right. order for most of the um, moisture measuring I- implements that we have.
2: And we and were born with the right instrument. It's called your hand it's exactly it. the way we did it just now.
1: Yep. It's really expensive. Yes. Goes everywhere with you. <laughs> so,
0: Chilbert uh, says that uh, he's going to make you PM in the UK if he had his way. <laughs> I,
1: I, I wouldn't wish, wish that on my worst enemy. I just, whoa. Um, I want to be a research scientist for the mm-hmm. rest of my life, figuring out better and easier ways to get all of the garbage we've put into our um, waste dumps that's just impo- it just yeah. blows my mind you take back perfectly compost good we food. could have made
0: that oh yeah crazy yeah.
1: and you know we should have been for the whole entire history of hum- humanity we should have been composting go back to some of the descriptions like out of charles dickens of uh, some of the writers back at that time and there are allusions to what they did with all their waste. they hmm. didn't throw it out the, the second story windows mm-hmm. you know there's always that piece of fantasy right because you could get good money for night soil ooh, which was what you know everyone had the little pot in their bedroom, and they pee um pooed and peed uh, the contents peed of
2: your chamber pot Oh my That's gosh it. yeah, yeah. That a there. Fashion.
1: There were actually people who were assigned. They got this part of London. That was their territory. No one else could take any of that night soil except for that person who was being paid to take that night soil. And he would put all of that into his container, go out to his farm, dump that into the soil, and make compost out of it. So come the next spring, he would come back into London and he would deliver the compost to all of those people who had gardens or who had, you know, their little greenhouses Ooh. up on the second floor or something. So it's a it's a win-win-win for him. He's mm-hmm. being paid to get rid of the starting materials of uh that he needs to do the composting mm-hmm. and so now he's getting all of the compost he needs and he's going to take the remainder of it back into london and sell it to all of the people that were buying their ship that may- he made that compost out of it's kind of those all those uh big city people they got to pay twice
0: so i suppose that was the way to get it all out of the city so people would be spending it so much
1: Yep. But because, I often think,
0: you know, how bad th- everything must have smelt back in, in that day. God damn.
1: Yep. And it's not the case at all. Because if you go back in the records, there are always records from about in cities hmm. where everybody had their night soil person coming around that would pay them, admittedly, not a lot, but it was a job. Yeah. Got him money. And, um, uh, you didn't have all of that stuff now um there were even people that would follow behind horses and pick up the horseship and that would go to the night the night soil person too so we've we've forgotten that part of our lives basically anyone who had a house anyone that you know like let's say you were a renter of a flat in in london or any big city in anywhere in the world um, during in the morning you would carry your night soil down put it in the appropriate container wash it out back into your bedroom so all of those people that were renting they were contributing to prevent to preventing that horrible smell so yeah the things we've forgotten mm-hmm. and uh, in families they would typically have their own compost in their own backyard so then they would compost and put that out on their um, beds. When I was a child, uh, growing up in uh, Minnesota on the St. Paul campus, which is the Ag College campus, um, when we were when I was a child, my parents had gardens, and that were given to the professors at the university, so that they could go out and grow their own um, food, and we made our own compost. It was just. That was the way everybody did it. Everybody mm-hmm. had their own compost. Everybody was growing their own vegetables. And it's when about the time, oh, it would have been about 1963, that there wasn't enough call for people to, that wanted the um, gardens. Everybody quit making um, their growing their own food, quit making their own compost, because mm-hmm. it was easier to go to the grocery store. Yeah, convenience. Yeah, and look at what we've paid for that convenience.
0: Mm-hmm. The... We don't even know the full price yet. Yeah, it's a long way away to find out what you, you know the results of these years of neglect that we've that we've done to nature. Yep. It's, it's a big web, like like you say. You, know, you have the the soil food web and the food web in general, and just the ecosystem is such a complex engine of all these different parts that all do their different things to make sure that the whole thing runs smoothly. We just broken piece after piece. And yep. just expected it to hold together and it has done so far for how much further can we go before it breaks somewhere?
2: It's crazy, man. So I think we're going to break it enough to where, yeah, just like Dr. Lane said, it'll kick us off the earth, but it'll still be here when we're gone. Mm-hmm.
0: So I am not know it's microbes, twelve miles down and shit. <laughs> they'll be fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll get brought back up to the surface and go. Whoa, look at this! Look this at all these cool. dead
4: humans to eat here.
1: Yeah, all <laughs> kinds of party food around. Exactly.
2: Oh, I don't mean to sound doom and gloom, but you know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's got to be pockets, someplace that's gonna survive with human beings, or ah, uh, you just don't know.
0: Yeah. yeah we'll figure something out we're, we're a resilient species
1: this is true yeah we can abuse ourselves I but i'd really rather not be that generation that's going to be horribly abused could could i wait on the uh wheel of life for five <laughs> or six generations before <laughs> i have to come back
0: mm-hmm. yeah that would be, be uh ideal um uh, maybe there'll be technology but or maybe people would just see what's going on and, and start fixing up
1: Maybe they'll listen to this discussion and go, "Oh my gosh, I, we need to do something. Let's at least our bid can Mm be uh, stopping use of any inorganic fertilizer, stopping pesticides, no more herbicides, none of those toxic materials going out on your property anymore."
2: Wow, maybe the hippies of the 1960s weren't so stupid.
1: Yep, I just would like to know where they got so late late waylaid. There used uh, to be hippies all over yeah. and they've slowly shrunk down and
2: all of those, <laughs> the government,
1: the use. Yeah. They, no, it
2: they, was the eighties.
0: That was the problem. Proper... <laughs> <laughs> Disco did it, man. <laughs> oh my gosh.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, horrors.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. So something happened along the way. The uh, hippies did not live up to their promise.
2: Well, it well I think uh, Let's everybody's going to be learning co- now. So sorry, Mike. no, I was going to say, let's hope the cannabis community can spread this word out there. Cause we have a mm-hmm. huge organic component to the cannabis community right now out there, you know, and that. And mm-hmm. I think that we can spread the word.
0: Well, I think we were the current events going around the world right now. And, you know, inflation, the, the cost of living is going up and it's going to be harder to source food very soon, according to BlackRock. But, people are going to start learning how to grow their own again because they don't they won't have so much of a choice everything won't yep. be so easy to get it's time to learn to grow your own you know and find space for it and start getting to work on it so that's going to be a,
2: a good resource of food that we might need pretty soon and dr mm. just told you how to get all the fertilizer that you need for free everything mm. you need to grow your own food in your own backyard not
0: mm. bad no. just make sure okay. one you know all that compost fat's been wasted
2: just thrown into the land tip you know no. causing
1: all all this destruction of clean water
2: mm, yeah. yeah so yes. compacted so so dense it'll never compost it'll never turn into anything but what it is today and these microplastics and everything as well that's mm-hmm. crazy that's another thing microplastics and everything
0: ah but let's keep our fingers crossed and you know do what we can as individuals to try and make the future seem brighter than what it does sometimes we don't get a lot of good news nowadays we have to go out and make our own you know
4: yep yep
0: get out there make compost grow food grow medicine that's what yep. you can do really eh
1: you need you need groups of 4 neighbors one can have the, the the pig um air piggery um somebody else you know so over there they have the chickens and over here we've got the orchard and um i've got the orchard already gee you,
2: yeah that's a um, commune you just you got, know that I mean, guy that's exactly you what you call a commune <laughs> right there so yeah everything we need right there
1: yep it, everybody you have something that they specializes in and we're all contributing to the compost production
4: Mm.
1: so yep you know it wouldn't take much to start converting things over pretty quickly
4: Mm.
1: do have to go buy my seeds for growing my veggie garden this summer i just have to get the fence back up (laughs) the deer come eat everything oh Uh, oh wow
2: oh wow Well, we have hunters down here this far south, so deer (laughs) wouldn't have a chance.
1: (laughs) There are times when I wish we would let them come in to our, you know, just tell everybody, you know, Saturday morning from 10 to 2 is going to be the hunters and just have your kids inside. (laughs) Bambi's
2: beautiful, except when Bambi's eating your broccoli.
1: That's right. Yep, you do have a different attitude after four or five years of <laughs> you know, all ready to eat that broccoli and you go outside. That's right. And oh, where would it go? That,
2: oh, my ours. gosh, it was just about ready,
1: almost right. ready. And they're always messy. Look, yeah, OK, take that broccoli. Pan. Well, fine. Take that. But why do you have to take one bite out of, of the every, middle
2: to find the one plate. that tastes the best? That's the answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: use the ravens see... are exactly yeah. the same way on my cherry tree. They yeah. come and they they take a bite out of each cherry. Yeah. Instead of leaving, <laughs> you know, that one.
2: You know, just take a whole cherry, man. Just, just, just take that. one. <laughs> Could you just
1: take one and then I can have one, please?
2: I had friends that used to used to say I was I was crazy, but actually had pictures of it. Finally, coyotes sampling your your um, cantaloupes. They'll come in and just eat the top out the cantaloupe like it like, like it's a cup mm-hmm. it's crazy Hannibals <laughs> will do weird things
1: well there's they're actually pretty smart you know where yeah. you know getting into the cantaloupe in that weak spot yep and chowing down and well that was good let's find another one exactly <laughs> uh, not stupid
0: no not at all that's it we can go down the shop and buy that kind of thing they don't have that opportunity
1: Yep, they, they got to come eat mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. I have to go to the grocery store and buy I it. Believe, there.
2: believe me, <laughs> mine tastes way better than the grocery store. Yeah, for sure, man, no doubt. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Like anything.
1: Uh, like anything grown with the proper biology in the soil, mm. you know, where you're developing, all of those organisms are getting back and and doing what they're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. and it means it's cheaper for you. You don't have to work hard. To uh, get that production,
2: and I'll absolutely 100% say that if your biology and your soil is right, you will need far less pesticides. The plant can defend itself. That's Mm
1: -hmm. right. And it's not so much that far less; it's going to be almost doesn't need it at all. Exactly.
2: That's my experience.
1: It may take a couple years to. Be able to get all the nutrient cycling going and everything established so that your plant is protected every hour of every day through the whole entire growing season. Mm-hmm. But you'll get there.
0: It's crazy. Time and patience. Yeah, that's it. Time and patience. Yep. Which we all need a little bit more of. You
1: know. Yeah. And it would help if our lives weren't so crazy um mm-hmm. you know they you, we jump from one thing to the next to the next because there's always this oh my gosh we need more money need more yeah. money
2: but the one thing in my life that gives me peace is my garden and i don't mm. mind taking the time with it because that connects me back with the earth it really does That's good yep. shit but we have kept you for a couple of hours now doctor and
1: yeah, maybe let i'm you go. supposed to be doing something else <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: you're welcome to hang out for as long as you'd like though yeah yeah of course
1: well i probably should get going so it's fun to talk to you guys
0: Oh, right, so it's great to have you on the show we really appreciate it you always got so much great information and you put it across to, in a way that we can understand easily it's awesome
1: Yep, I'm pretty good at that, and you know somebody has to do it to be the communicator from mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. scientific jargon papers to something that the general public can comprehend. Exactly, it, it's sad that scientific groups have developed that attitude of we've got to have uh, our own speak mm-hmm. um, so that we're clearly higher level intellect than everybody else
0: just because of these magical long words we use Mm -hmm. yeah
1: it always makes me think that we're trying to sound like germans (laughs) (laughs) because they always do that you know they take one word and just hang the next one hang the next one and uh you get a word this long it's oh my gosh i can't uh, whatever
2: can we just say compost please
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Bitte schön.
2: <laughs> You're welcome. Yes. Uh,
0: so one more time, where can people go and find that soil course you were speaking about earlier? Because I think a lot of people are going to be interested in that.
1: Um, the its uh, website is soilfoodweb.com. And sure. uh if you wanna, you know, uh have ask have some questions answered, if you end up going, ah uh, you know, how long is this gonna be? Uh, can I get uh, a special uh, deal? And we do generally have special deals uh, on like a three-month or a six-month um, go-around cycle. So the next, next um, special deal will probably be offered in June.
4: Right. So
1: stay tuned for that if you're interested. Um, for calling up and getting some questions answered, it's info at SoilFoodWeb.com.
0: Awesome. So everybody go check that shit out. That's, I'm going to go have a look at it as well, because yeah. I, I need to know more about soil growing and composting and that kind of thing. Great! I've been checking it out myself
3: as we were um, talking to Dr. Elaine, and it is it's a really, really, really in-depth and interesting course. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. important information as well yeah Yeah. it is looks
1: very very cool cool and if it's you know if you're not and if you don't have the patience to do it all yourself remember that we do have people who can run the microscope for you and then send you back the information that you need Mm -hmm. or consultants that will help you out um you know from just answering questions all the way to perhaps making compost or compost teas with you, for you. Uh, mm. So we try to to answer all the needs uh, of the community so we can get everybody started putting the carbon back into the soil from whence it came. Excellent,
2: oh, yeah. Excellent yeah. stuff.
0: Just another problem we have to fix. Uh.
1: <laughs> OK. I yeah. do need to be heading along. Lots of fun. Let's do this again.
0: Of course. Right. Whenever you'd like to come back on, just let us know. We'll organize it. It's always a pleasure to speak to you.
1: Okay, great. Yeah.
0: Thanks a Thank lot. Have a good day, Elaine. Enjoy getting the seeds.
1: Let's maybe <laughs> let's maybe plan for uh, right before the promotion
0: in June. Oh, Yeah, in June. Yeah, for sure. We'll do that.
1: Okay. And I'll great. write that
0: down so I don't forget. Right. sometimes later bye. Bye.
1: Bye. 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 have
0: a good day elaine thank you again thank you. bye now goodbye bye. Goodbye. Bye. goodbye so there we go thank you again to dr elaine ingham for coming to join us for another interview and we look forward to speaking to her in a month or so when she comes back to tell us more but in the meantime let us know about your composting do you have a compost bin do you have a worm bin maybe you can head over to persisgrowing.com head into the organic section and show us your composter if you have one and if you don't have one why not it's time to start making your own compost it's very easy to do there's lots of instructions in this episode and the previous interview that we did with dr ingham about making your own compost. So, everybody should be getting on this. Everybody should be doing it. It's a great way to, to be environmentally friendly and to reduce food waste. And if we can all get on something like this, then we, we're all trying to solve the problems that we're heading towards in the future, little by little. And, you know, every little helps. So, if you can, make your own compost and try and encourage other people to do the same thing as well. That would be sweet. Altogether, just do what you can to try and raise awareness about soil and ways to improve the microbiology of soil so we can grow better food in it without using salt-based nutrients and chemicals that might be causing damage to the planet but anyway i hope you enjoyed this interview if again if you want to find out more about dr ingham head over to soilfoodweb.com and you'll find everything you need to know over there and again thank you to chad for coming to join us for this interview it's been a pleasure to speak to both of you Uh, Thanks as always for downloading and listening to the show. Hope you've enjoyed it and we'll catch you on Friday for the Grow Guides. It's been a pleasure as always. See you in a bit. Have a good week. Goodbye.